Welcome to the Guide Podcast, your place to learn the latest tips and conservation news through interviews with seasoned fly fishing experts and your hosts, Nathaniel Treichler and Colton Orbacher. This episode is made possible by the Fly Crate, the easiest way to discover new trout flies. Every month, treat yourself to amazing flies, dope stickers, and the TFC's Guide Magazine. Be a genius. Try the club today. It ships for free, and you can pause or cancel anytime. To learn more about the Fly Crate's monthly fly club and online shop, visit www.theflycrate.com. In today's episode, I discuss my trip with Evan McCavick to Jamestown, New York for the late steelhead run. Hey, what's everyone? This is Nathaniel Treichler, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Guide Podcast. It's been a while since the last one. Sorry about that. I've been on many trips lately, and it's just been hectic around here because of the holiday season. And, you know, what I'm really happy about is that we just got the new intro done. I mean, that was done tonight. And I wanted to record something on one of my most recent trips, which I'm very fortunate about. I was so happy that I was able to make a trip up to New York, Jamestown, New York, with Evan McCavick, who is our chief photographer here at the Fly Crate. And we met up with Colton Orbacher to fly fish for some eerie steelhead. So it's been on my bucket list for a long time to, you know, break my personal best and also to experience steelhead fishing. This was my first steelhead trip and I honestly was not disappointed. It's now one of my most favorite things. I wouldn't say it beats out fly fishing for brook trout. That's still, you know, that still takes a special place in my heart. Steelhead, you know, has another place. Um, <laughs> of course, sorry about that. I know that there's a fly fishing community that just absolutely loves steelhead. I have a uh, newfound appreciation for for those fish. They are they are honestly like a seventh wonder of the fly fishing world. They're amazing, and I just learn. I have so much more, more respect for them now. I, I used to look at them and just be like, oh, it's just a big fish, but you know they they work their ass off. They got to swim miles up from. The lake we were, uh, they were coming from Lake Erie, the one, the fish that we were catching, um, and we were catching them as far up as like five, no, three or five miles up from the lake, which is unbelievable. Expect like in this kind of weather and conditions, and just seeing that they have to swim, th- you know, get past these amazing obstacles, which are like you know five foot waterfalls and you know, all these man-made constructions. It's just unbelievable. So it's definitely worth it, I'd say, to get out there in the cold, you know, freezing your ass off and catch those beautiful fish. So this was a three-day trip. We went up Friday and we stayed at this log cabin style Airbnb. It was absolutely beautiful. It was handmade by the owners themselves. And that Saturday morning, we got up at 7 a.m. and headed to a place called Canada Way, which was behind a church, and there was this eight-foot-deep trench that we fished for the majority of that morning, and we we definitely caught the, the most fish there. It was very productive, but, you know, for like the first three hours, uh, my line was completely iced over. It was basically like seven feet of just ice going from the, the fly all the way up to my fly line. 
And when it got warm enough, we took two rocks and basically just chipped it off of there really carefully so we didn't ruin the line. And and the only reason why it iced up the line was because the, the temperature was so cold outside. And every time we dipped the line back in, it would add a new layer of ice onto it. So once the water and the air warmed up enough, we took we removed the ice. And then after that, we were just fishing the straight uh, line the, the way it was meant to be, which made it a lot easier to feel the bottom and feel any subtle takes. So when you're fishing steelhead, it's a lot of like rinse and repeat. So uh, you just cast upstream and then you, you know, you kind of like nymph it down, depending on what you're doing. Uh, we were fishing a smaller stream, so we couldn't really swing anything. So we were doing a check nymph style with two egg patterns separated by like 24 inches of tippet. And then we had two weights in between those, you know, decent sized uh, split shots. And that took it straight down to the bottom. And what we would do is we would check nymph it. So we would drag those weights along the bottom. So you would able to feel every single rock that it went over. And then if you felt like a thud or, uh, you know, just like it kind of like stuck on the bottom there, you would set the hook. And if it stayed, it would either be a rock or a fish. And if the rock started to move, like, you know, just like ever so slightly, it was a fish and it was like all hands on deck, like all hell broke loose because these fish are like almost 30 inches each or over easily. They're like eight pounds and it would just go, it would take off upstream and it was just like the fucking like chrome bullet all the way up and it would, everyone would be scrambling like Evan would get the camera and Colton would get the net and we would just be trying to fight this thing back into the shallow side because one little touch of that um, eight-foot trench wall, which is just a straight-down cliff. And if, if our leader hit that side of the, the wall, which is all rock, it would, you know, ping, there goes the leader and our whole rig and the fish is gone. So we didn't want that happening. So what we did and what Colton was describing to us as, you know, you know, a basic technique of steelhead fishing was to take the fish up as long as you're not in a fast current, we would keep the fish up close to the surface so we can get it into the shallow water. And you always want to stay behind the steelhead because if you were in front of the steelhead, you would pull the lure, I mean, you'd pull the flies right out of its mouth. And it's so difficult just to stick them because their uh, their mouths are so tough. You don't want to take that chance. So you always stay below and if the fish starts running downstream, you got to run faster than it because it's eventually going to try and, you know, wiggle itself off or make a jump for it through the air. So you're always trying to, you know, stay below it and back up so that the person who's netting can go in front of you and, you know, cut the distance in half and try and net the fish quick before, you know, any, any sort of unpredictable things happen. So that was... Uh, the whole system we had going was two two uh, egg patterns or, you know, just a weighted nymph and the two weights in between that. So basically what would happen is when it was on the bottom, one would like either fly would be light enough. So it would kind of like go with the current and stay off the bottom because these steelhead are like hugging the bottom. They stay close to the bottom because it requires minimal effort and very little energy to stay there. Because the friction of the water moving over top against the bottom of the stream reduces the speed of the current and they can just sit there 
and not use any energy whatsoever with very little effort and just scoop up the nymphs coming through. These flies would just almost like hug the bottom and right in front of their mouth. And as you drag it along the bottom, you know, you're kind of just like weaving it through all the rocks. And if a steelhead's laying there, it'll just put it right in front of its mouth, right in front of its nose. And then, you know, instinct would tell them to eat it. So that's what they do. So these steelhead, they come up like three miles upstream where we were fishing from the lake and they stop eating. So the juveniles make a run with them just to practice, but the adults that are spawn spawning age, they come up to spawn. We got them post-spawn, so they're basically swimming zombies right now. They weren't the usual chrome color. They were turning red. That's because they stop eating. Their body starts, like, eating itself to, you know, use use energy that's stored in its fats and stuff. So we were using a 6-7 weight, I believe, a 6-7 or 8 weight, and that was plenty good for what we were catching. And we were using nothing less than a, one, uh, a 1x or a, a 0 ot leader and tippet. One thing that Colton uh, taught us was that, you know, you always got to keep changing. Like, weight and everything was incredibly important, especially for steelhead. Because the longer you have your flies on the bottom or right where the fish are, the longer you have to present to them and you're now your chances are increased, right? Cause you know, it's in front of your face longer. You're going to eat it more likely now. So, uh, you have a higher chance of catching something. And we were always constantly changing from hole to hole, how much split shot we have on what flies we're using. If something wasn't working quite, quite right, we would switch. And if something was, we would double down on it. And, you know, just fish a two-fly rig the whole time. In New York, in Colton's area, we couldn't use a three-fly rig, so we stuck with two, and you can't have a weight on the bottom as the last thing. So we had to put the split shots uh, in between the flies or above them. So that was for regulation purposes. And what I found interesting was instead of a 1X leader, we were just using straight uh, zero-aught, tip it from like nine feet of it it wasn't just a nine foot leader and then tip it we were just using straight tip it from the fly line so that was new to me i usually don't do that just for castability but we were just flicking it upstream and then check nymphing it down and then flick back up so we didn't have to cast or you know um swing anything so it, that made it a lot easier it was a dream catching fish that were that big my first one that I ever caught was 33 inches and nearly 8 pounds. A monster, a beast. It was a beautiful fish. It was so great to get out, uh, you know, cabin fever and start fishing. It gave me a lot of inspiration, I'd say, to go to my local streams and have my hand at, you know, the local brown trout. We're going to make this into a multi-episode uh, series, and there will be an article released later, uh, either tonight or tomorrow. So don't be afraid to check out the article. I'm going to post the link in the show notes below in a few days when it's up. And I guess that's it for today's episode. There will be more, so don't worry. Stay tuned. I really hope you enjoyed it. And please feel free to shoot me a question by going to our Contact Us page or our live chat function to the right-hand side of the screen if you're on the site. But before I go, I wanted to thank all our new members out there. We've gotten so many in the past few weeks and it's been phenomenal. It's been keeping us on our toes. 
and you know they've just been taking advantage of our amazing offer that we have right now. If you haven't heard, we're giving each new member of our Trout Bum Plan a barbless Euro Nymphing assortment that is absolutely free your first month. It's totally up for grabs, so take advantage of it too and join our monthly fly club. And that being said, I'll see you later this week. Yeah.